Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hey there, Cove Church. Uh, Welcome. My name's Brandon. If we've not met, uh, if you're back a second time, join us online. Welcome back. The title of my message today is The Beauty of Generosity. And I have a few quotes on finances that may change your life. Jackie Mason said this, money's not the most important thing in the world. Love is. Fortunately, I love money. An unknown author said this, always borrow money from a pessimist. He doesn't expect to be paid back. And billionaire oil tycoon J.P. Getty said this, my formula for success is rise early, work late, and strike oil. I want to talk today about generosity. And before we dive in, I want to address maybe some tensions that could be felt as we talk about stewardship, money, this idea of generosity. There may be some tuning in today uh, where you've been part of church communities in the past and, and they've taught well about money, but maybe abused it on the back end, or, or maybe it was abusive on the front end. It was a stretch of the biblical text and, and the heart of God and the kingdom of God. Um, maybe some of you have been well-discipled in this area of generosity. Still others, you've been part of wonderful church communities uh, who just really never talked about money. And so you would say, I, I've, I've loved the churches that I've been in, but I've never really heard a pastor talk about money or Perhaps you're new to the faith, and this is maybe the very first message that you've heard on finances and stewardship and generosity. For those of you tuning in, and you've been part of a painful church experience in the past around this idea of money, I want to say as one of your pastors, as a pastor not in this just this church, but in the kingdom of God, rep, rep, representing um, you know kind of the pastorate in general, I'm sorry you went through that. Uh, There's no excuse for it. It hurts. It's maddening. It's deeply disappointing. And I pray somehow that this message would be a healing salve for you. For those who are well-discipled and mentored in biblical generosity, my prayer is that this message would be just another layer of health in your life. And finally, for those new to this concept of stewardship and what the Bible has to say about generosity, my prayer is this becomes a stable foundation, a healthy foundation upon which the Holy Spirit to build in your life. Uh, Our teaching team has uh, talked about, preached about, taught about generosity in the past. I want to kind of give you a highlight reel of some big rock principles that we've taught on. Some of these have been full messages. Some we've built, you know, an, an entire point around these principles. Number one would be we don't want something from you. We want something for you. And how can we say that? Because God doesn't want something from us. He doesn't need anything from us. He always wants something for us. Number two, we believe in giving, giving generously and giving consistently. Number three, we believe generosity is downstream from ownership and ownership is downstream from trust. Pastor Brand, what do you mean? If I want to live, Cope Church, if I want to live generously, I've got to kind of look upstream a little bit and I come to this principle, this vital principle of ownership that I have to settle, which is who owns what I have in my hand? And when I come to the conclusion that God owns it all and he simply made me a steward, I've taken a big step forward in terms of being generous. But, but then I have to decide, I've, I've got to look a little further upstream and I find this other vital issue 
of trust. Now I've come to the conclusion that God owns it, but do I trust him to section off a portion of it or a percentage of my income? Do I trust him with my needs to be the God of resupply? And when I do that, I'll live generously. Number four, the process of being conformed to the image of Christ will travel through our bank account 100% of the time. Cove Church, listen, the, the Bible says this, that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. God is not after, he doesn't need our treasure, he's after our heart. So what he'll do is go through our treasure to reach our heart. Number five, at no time do we look more like Jesus than when we're living generously, to which some of us might say, Pastor Brandon, we got you there. At no other time do we look more like Jesus than when we're loving. I think we agree. For God so loved that he gave. Cup Church, listen, just personally, I can't speak for you, but I've, I've had to grow in this area of generosity. There, there have been times in, in trying to understand what God desires from me or for me in this area of money and stewardship. At times I've doubted that God would take care of me. At times I've been confused about some of the teaching that I've received biblically over the years. At times I've wondered where maybe the next meal would come from, much less how to be generous in those times. At times I've been, I've been really well disciplined and consistent in this area of generosity and other times I've been incredibly inconsistent. What I can tell you today, Cope Church, and I don't know that I can always say this, I try to. I, you know, I, any, anytime, I, anytime I preach a message, I have to walk off this stage and live consistently, right? I, I, I don't have, I can't be a hypocrite. I have to live out what I'm teaching. And what I can say is that Joy and I are consistently growing in this concept, this area of general. We work on it week after week, month in and month out, year in and year out. And for those of you who have said yes to Jesus, there's something I think I know about you. A couple of things. Number one, that you desire to honor God with your resources. Number two, you desire to live generously. Listen, we're born takers, but we're reborn in Jesus as givers. And I've had conversations with countless people over the years, pastoring, who deeply desire to live generously. You know, when that need comes up and the single mom, you know, her car breaks down and they, they would just love to be able to buy a new car for her or send a bunch of kids to camp or, or buy a meal for that veteran and their family sitting next to them at the restaurant or send a bunch of kids back to school with brand new backpacks full of supplies and maybe coats on their back. And there are, I could go on and on, and there are people who do this, but there are others who can't, maybe because they're upside down servicing debt. What I wanna do, Cove Church today, is share with you one of the most vivid stories in all of the Bible. It's one that, um, if you'll grab hold of these three principles that we're gonna tease out of it, that we're gonna pull out of it, it very well could change the trajectory of your life forever. Before we do, our big idea today is this, that God has an outrageously generous heart for people and he uses the generosity of people to reach people. I wanna say it again. God has an outrageously generous heart for people and he uses the generosity of people to reach people. Second Kings chapter four, verses eight through 17 is where we're gonna be. Let's look at the first few verses, eight through 10. The Bible says this, one day, Elisha went to Shunem. A rich woman lived there. She urged him to eat something. So whenever he passed by, he would stop in to eat some food. 
She said to her husband, look, I know that he is a holy man of God and he passes by regularly. Let's make a small room on the roof. We'll set up a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him there. Then when he comes to us, he can stay there. I want you to notice a few things, Cove Church. I want you to notice first our prophet. This is the rock star prophet, Elisha. Uh, he, he is the representative uh, of God to an entire nation. He, he's, the, he's the protege of another kind of rock star prophet named Elijah. If you've never read First and Second Kings, do it. Amazing, crazy stories. I want you to notice the location. You're going to see a map on the screen. And this is what's known as kind of the Jezreel Valley. It's important because this is a well-traveled area, almost like a, a teaching uh, prophetic circuit for Elisha up to Mount Carmel in the wilderness, the Jezreel Valley, and in our town here, called Shunem, obviously he goes through multiple times, the text says. And this husband and this wife, this, this wealthy woman, they notice the prophet maybe passing through town time and time again, renting a room at his own expense, buying food at his own expense. And the woman, the other main character in our story, let's pause right there. She's a wealthy woman. Bible says she's rich. She's married. She's persuasive, she's influential, and she's generous. She notices the man of God passing through, and she begins feeding him. And I say she's persuasive and influential because I want you to notice the word urge in the text. One translation says she persuaded him. The, the message says she talked him into it. And I love the King James. The King James says this, she constrained him. Do you know anyone like this, Co-Church? You know that when you go over to their house, you're not getting away without a meal. And it goes beyond just they're lonely. It's just like this generosity comes out of them. And you, oh, you look famished. And you, you look like you need something to eat. No, I'm fine. I just, I just ate. No, you, you look like you're going to fall over. If a strong wind hits You'd probably fall over and soon enough you're sitting down to a meal. And listen, Cove Church, Elisha, if you read the story, the life of Elisha, he's not going to be cajoled into anything. And yet this woman influences him, urges him to stop by each time he's through town for a meal. What's the point, Pastor Brown? What's the point? She had this urge, Cove Church, to make room for God. And I just wonder... Do we do the same? It goes on. She goes on. She's not done there. The room. She goes to her husband and she says, listen, I want to do something more. I want to build an apartment on, on, on the top of our home. And, and not, only, not only that, but we're not going to have him furnish it. We're going to furnish it. Everything he needs, a table, a chair, a lamp, all for the man of God. Come church, listen, I, I love people. I love hosting people. Joy and I are new empty nesters and we have a, a spare room. And so when the family's through town, we give them a place to stay. But never have Joy and I built an addition onto our home for one specific person. If we did that, it'd probably be multi-use. We'd probably figure out a way to monetize it. Airbnb, we'd rent it, something. But not this woman. We're going to dedicate this room to the man of God. Amazing. Amazing beautiful generosity. And so our story goes on. The prophet is passing through and he, and he stops and he gets settled into his new digs. The Bible says this, verses 11 through 13. So one day Elisha came there, headed to the room on the roof and lay down. He said to his servant Gehazi, call a Shunammite woman. Gehazi called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to Gehazi, say to her, look, you've gone through all this trouble for us. What can I do for you? 
Is there anything I can say on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? The first thing I want you to see, Cove Church, is this. Generosity triggers reciprocity. Imagine the prophet now laying down in this fully furnished apartment with full belly after full belly after full belly. And we aren't told exactly what happens, Cove Church. Maybe God speaks to him. Maybe he's just so undone and inspired and humbled by the generosity of this woman. And he decides, I have to do something reciprocal, perhaps all of the above. And he tells his servant, Ghazi, I want you to call this lady. And he uses this word. He says, listen, you've gone to all of this trouble for us. It's a little Hebrew word that means, it means to tremble. And in our, in our case, part of the meaning would be this. It's anxious care. It's this holy reverence for God and his kingdom that I want to be careful. I want to make sure that I take care of the kingdom of God. One translation says this, you've gone beyond the call of duty in taking care of us. And then he asks, what can we do for you? Do you need me to speak on behalf of the king? Do you, do you need me to speak on behalf, your behalf to the, to the general or the commander of the army? Go church, essentially what, what the prophet is saying this is, is this, listen, I'm well connected given my profession. <laughs> and, and I know people and people listen to me very carefully. And I can go straight to the top as high as you want to go. And I can hook you up. Go church, that's access that money can't buy. What if someone came to you today and they offered to broker a meeting for you? You, you pick it, President, of the, some of the most influential people in all of the world. I mean, decision makers, people who could snap a finger and it would be done for you. President of the United States, Joint Chiefs of Staff, the, the wealthiest top five billionaires in the world. What would you say? What I want you to see, Cove Church, is that her generosity triggered reciprocity. All throughout the New Testament, we find that Jesus, especially in the teachings of Jesus, he would speak to the people in, in agricultural terms, for instance, just that one ecosystem he, to illustrate the kingdom of God. And he would talk about things like, I take this small seed and I plant it in the ground. And sure enough, I receive something back. It's the, it's the law of return. What, what, I, what I sow, I reap. Not only that, but it comes after. It's this, it's, it's this law of delayed gratification. I don't get it back right away. But when I do get it back, it's, it's maybe 40-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. In other words, it's the law of increasing return. Over and over, Jesus would talk about this law of reciprocity, this idea of sowing and reaping. Could you imagine, Cove Church, a farmer standing on the edge of his field, cussing and swearing because nothing is popping out of the ground? And you walk up and you ask, listen, my friend, what is it that you planted? And they respond angrily, nothing, right? That, that's at the point where we wish them a good day and we slowly back away. The Bible says this, the apostle Paul in Galatians 6, 7, make no mistake, God is not mocked. A person will harvest what they plant. Pastor Rick and Kay Warren in Southern California, Saddleback Church, uh, some of you maybe have listened to some of Pastor Rick's teachings over the years. He's been there for decades. Uh, or you've read some of his books. If you haven't, maybe you've heard of the book Purpose Driven Life. 
depending on what bestseller list that you look at, one of them would classify it as the, in America, the number one best-selling nonfiction hardback book of all time. Just wildly, wildly successful. And he tells the story that early on in their marriage, uh, that Pastor Rick and Kay began to increase their giving every year, their percentage that they would give to the Lord every year, all the way to today, where they give away no less than 91% of their income, and they live on no more than 9% of their income. To which some of us would say, how in the world does, does he live in a shack? How, how do you do that? Go to church. I, I think if we went down to their home <laughs> in Southern California, it'd probably be a nice home. And some of us might say, you know what, Pastor Brandon, honestly, if I hit the jackpot with a best-selling book, I'd be generous too. Do you know, Cove Church, that Pastor Rick has had people over the decades, over the years, say that exact same thing to him. And what he says to them, lovingly, he looks them in the eye and he says, no, you wouldn't because you're not living generously now. You have to remember that Kay and I began living generously when we had nothing. And they built from there. Could it be, Cove Church, let's go back to our main character, this wealthy woman. Could it be she's wealthy because she sowed in generosity first? Could it be that she's wealthy because she trusted God to be the God of resupply, much like Pastor Rick and Kay? How in the world can you give away 91% of your income unless God is a God of resupply, unless God is willing to somehow miraculously take care of all of your needs on just 9% of your income? Generosity triggers reciprocity. Let's look at her response. So the, the, the prophet says, listen, can I talk to the king? Can I talk to the commander of the army? And she says this, verse 13, part B, the second half. She said, I am content. I am content to live at home with my own people. Number two, contentment is the key to outrageous generosity. Unbelievable, Cove Church. Her, her response, man, if, if I was given kind of this genie in a bottle wish to go talk to offer a request or ask something that I needed in my life from an influencer, from someone who could snap their fingers and make it happen, I'm probably taking that, that free gift. And she says, I'm content. I don't need the ear of the king or the commander of the army. I'm content with what I have. The apostle Paul from a hellhole of a prison in Rome wrote to the church at Philippi and he said this, in whatever state that I am, I have learned therewith to be Content. Author of Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey, says this about contentment. Contentment may be the most powerful financial principle. You can give more, avoid debt, and live better. I have a friend, uh, Cove Church, I called him this week, and I asked if I could share this story of contentment. Uh, he, he's a friend, mentor, Christ follower. Um, he uh, was a pastor for a, a long time and has worked for a long time in the financial industry. He, he helped our church plant. He was a financial coach to our church plant well over a decade ago and just a, just a wonderful guy. We were in conversation in the last few weeks and I don't have time to get into all the details how we got on this particular subject, but essentially what he did is he kind of dropped the veil on his own personal finances. That's a pretty vulnerable place to be. And he allowed me to ask some questions and come to find out that he and his wife 
have done pretty well. They've been able to save through discipline and, and just disciplined saving about $2.4 million. And, and I start, some questions began to pop into my mind like, he's not retired. Why are you not retired? I, you know, just a few calculations. I realized that that, that type of income, I, I don't know what that means for you, but that, that probably would throw off north of $100,000, maybe upwards of $120,000, depending on how it's invested. I think I could probably retire pretty okay on that. Began to ask him, you know, how much do you think you're going to need? My, my thinking was, you're, you're going to, obviously you're going to need more than that because you're still working. I said, no, we probably think that we could live on and want to live on about $55,000 a year. Well, then what about the difference? Coaches are going to give it away. From now until the time they go home to be with Jesus, you know, they have kids and, and grandkids and ministries and different people they want to bless. What a beautiful story of contentment. They're content with what they have. Generosity triggers reciprocity. Contentment is the key to outrageous generosity. And the conclusion of our story, verses 14 through 17, Elisha asked, so what can be done for her? He's not finished. He's not going to take no for an answer. Gehazi said, well, she doesn't have a son and her husband is old. Elisha said, call her. So Gehazi called her and she stood at the door. Elisha said, about this time next year, you will be holding a son in your arms. But she said, no, man of God, sir, don't lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at about the same time the next year. This was what Elisha had promised her. Number three, and finally, Cove Church, God's reciprocity reaches beyond our material world. God's reciprocity didn't come right away. It didn't come back in, in the way that this woman expected. It didn't come back in an increased bank account. But hear me, Cove Church, it came back and it came back beyond her wildest dreams. In fact, did you notice the response from her when he said, listen, you're going to conceive and you're going to have about this time next year, you're going to be holding a baby. She said, don't you dare give me false hope. What that tells me, Cove Church, is she one day, way back, had hope. Those hopes were crushed and she didn't want to go through that pain again. Cove Church, God has an outrageously generous heart for people. And he uses the generosity of people to reach people. I want to share with you a video of a life that's been changed through generosity. It's a, it's, it's a story of our, of our Alpha program and our Alpha series here at Cove Church. Take a listen to this. Uh, my name is Christy Wonderland, and this is part of my life story. You know, I've always believed in God. Um, I've, I hadn't been part of a church in a long time, so I was, you know, just living my life, believing in God, praying when I needed to pray, when I needed things. Um, so it was more outside of the church. Um, I wasn't brought up in, these, in, these, in church. I wasn't brought up um, in any specific religion. Um, I've always believed in God, and I just was ready to bring Him more into my life. You know, I've driven by Cove Church for years, literally, and I've always watched it and kind of looked at it and wondered. I've tried a couple different churches here in Eugene. Uh, recently had met somebody that also went to church, um, and we decided that we were going to try Cove Church. And we came, and I'll tell you what, that was the beginning of my new journey. 
Uh, it was the first day of, I think this might be the place for me. I think the day that I started coming to church, my first apprehension was joining a group, but I knew that I really wanted to do that. I knew that I needed to surround myself with other believers. Um, so when the Alpha Group um, was broadcasted, I was so curious about so many things. I have so many questions, so many questions about Jesus, about God, about how do we become you know, better people. Um, and so when you guys posted the Alpha, it literally was my aha moment of, I think I can do this because you guys really pressed. It's a group that you can come openly to and ask any question that you want to uh, without judgment. You can bring anything, you can ask anything, and we can all talk about it. And so that really appealed to me because I did have a lot of questions. Was I nervous? Absolutely. Uh, group things are really hard for me to join, but it was really the best choice I made. I think the minute I touched my foot in the water, I could feel my emotions coming up and the tears coming out. For me, it meant finally making the commitment I needed to make to Jesus to follow Him. That's what it meant to me. It meant finding myself, finding His Word, and realizing that this is the way that I want. I want my life to be like this now. I want, this is how I want to live. I want to live the way that Jesus wanted us to live. And you know, I can, when I called my family and I was like, I was gonna be baptized, you know, you can hear the, oh, that's great, you know because we weren't brought up in religion. So um, I'm looking forward to being able to share my journey with other people and hope that they can find the same path that I have because the joy that comes with it is um, it's pretty amazing. Makes me pretty happy. Coach, why, why would we share this story with you? I heard a quote one time, and it, and it goes like this, that the story is the soul of data. And behind this incredible life change story is some data, and in this case, it's called a budget. Coaches, we have, we have generously sewn into this program, the, the, the Alpha Series, and we're gonna continue to do that. And the only way we can continue to, to share the outrageous, generous heart of God is through the generosity of God's people. I wanna ask you just a few questions in closing. I wanna go back to maybe Pastor Rick and Kay. Can you, I thought about this this week, can you imagine what it's like to wake up day after day, go through your budgeting cycle month after month, year after year, and just wonder what, who do we wanna to bless today? Who, who do we wanna give more than 90% of our income away to? Who do we wanna to surprise today? Or my friend that I shared, living on less than half of his income, what it's like, the pure joy that those folks and people like them have living generously. I wonder, Hill Church, I wonder if they regret looking upstream and settling the vital issue of ownership. I wonder if they regret looking upstream and settling the, 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 the vital issue of trusting God, trusting God to be the God of resupply. And I wonder what lives, Cope Church, in desperate need of God, in desperate need of a miracle, await for us to do the same. I wanna pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you indeed have an outrageously generous heart for people. You loved so much that you gave and you gave it all. God, thank you that we uh, can trust you as the God of resupply. We can trust that when we sow something, 
that we do reap something. We don't sow to receive. We sow into the kingdom because of, of, of what you've done in us. We're reborn givers. But the beauty is there is it triggers this law of reciprocity. And it's a reciprocity from you, God, that reaches beyond the material. Lord, for those of us maybe struggling to settle this issue of ownership, those of us struggling to settle this issue of trust, it can be scary, I know. Maybe those of us kind of suffocating under debt or we have questions, we, we feel like we lack the tools to budget or get our financial house in order. I've been there. Lord, would you help us? God, would you help us? Would you, would you just send a wave of hope, wisdom, and help into the lives of people listening today? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bless you, Cope Church. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.